Welcome to Bronze and Modern Gods. I am John. And I am Richard. And it is another Monday episode. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got a lot going on today. Underrated Books of the Week, our hot book of the week, 25-year rule, our main topic, Modern Grails. Are they worth five figures? Mm, I mean, we see what some of these modern books are selling for, and we go, huh? What? <laughs> Scooby Snacks? Uh, so we will discuss that today. And we're going to get started with our hot book of the week. Oh, Richard, I'm going to take this one first, okay? <laughs> you go ahead, John. It is Journey into Mystery Annual number one. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> this is the first appearance of Hercules and the first appearance of Zeus. And it's the first battle between Thor and Hercules. Hercules wins. Uh, it is Marvel at its best. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Vince Coletta thinks. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's not Marvel at its best, <laughs> but it's up there. Uh, we've already seen Zeus in the Love and Thunder trailer with, you know, the quite literal lightning bolt in his hand. Uh, why does this give me Batman 1960s TV series vibes? With the <laughs> <lightning bolt? laughs> and, and, you know, Herc is coming. Uh, it may not be in Love and Thunder. But, you know, now we've got the gods of Olympus involved in the MCU. So, uh, Richard, you happened to be with me in January 2020 when we were at California Comic-Con and I purchased my copy for $800, came back at 8.5. I think I got a deal. I think so. I think because so. What's happening now? Oh, the value of this book is just skyrocketing right now. Um there are there is actually a 9.8 on the census. Um, a 9.8 does exist, but it hasn't been any sales since 2013. I'm not but, letting it go. <laughs> but the 9.4, which is the highest uh, most recent sale that I could find, went for $8,400. Yeah. Uh, so this book has seen a huge increase uh, in value even before all this was going on. I think people realized this has always been a tough annual it's one of the first marvel universe superhero annuals along with fantastic four annual and spider-man amazing spider-man annual and it's, it's strange tales annual two i keep bringing that up because people are sleeping on strange tales annual two fourth appearance of spider-man people uh these annuals have been overlooked for so long and I think the fact they've been overlooked, no one's been taking care of them. The spines are split. The glue's getting old. So high-grade copies are far and few. Absolutely. I, I, this, this, even without the, um, the movie coming, and you know, the, uh, we, we, we know we have Zeus. We know we're going to have Hercules. Even, even without that, I think this is such a strong book. Um, and it has been undervalued for so long. I'm glad to see it come to a point where it's it's really getting its dues. 100%. And, you know, Hercules. So <laughs> I'm, I'm on board. Uh, all right. When we're talking about values and things shooting up, it's usually uh, Silver Age books, Bronze Age first appearances. But we cannot forget, forget, forget. <laughs> Modern grails, they're going crazy, you guys. We talked about this. We had a whole episode about Ultimate Fallout 4, uh, 1 in 25, Drujevic variant versus Amazing Fantasy 15, which would you rather own at this point? 
And that's our topic today. We're going to dig into this a little bit more. These modern grails, are they truly worth the prices that they're getting? The fact that we're now in not the thousands of dollars for some of these books, but the tens of thousands of dollars for someone that's been in the game as long as I have, it's mind-blowing to me that a book that came out in 2011 could, <laughs> could command $30,000. But Richard, you have some examples here. Yeah. I mean, Ultima Fallout is a great example. There's, you know, that, that book is the first appearance of Miles Morales. And it's, it's just amazing how he has electrified the non-comic collecting market in a way I, I don't think any other mar modern uh, Marvel character has. Uh, Ultimate Fallout Force first appearance. Uh, the newsstand version is probably the most rare uh, version of this book. There are said to be uh, around 50 examples known uh, at, at this date, just 50 copies of this book. Uh, recently on eBay, uh, a listing has popped up for a 9.4, and that is listed for $30,000. Now, is that just a fishing expedition? I don't know. It's just, you know, that, that's the problem with a book this rare. If there's only 50 examples, they, they rarely come up on uh, eBay for, for sale. They don't, they don't come up very often on any of the other auction houses either. So it's difficult because you don't have a large enough sample set. So that alone makes it difficult to, to narrow in on a price, but it also means it is so rare it could command prices that you would be, uh, you would be, if you would find hard to to accept on any other modern book. Uh, even let's take out the newsstand and the one in twenty five, and let's just talk Ultimate Fallout Four, your basic polybagged version that went to direct sales. Nine eights are now thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, when we started this podcast in April of twenty twenty, how much were they going for at the time? I, uh, they're about 400 is what I bought my first yeah. one for. Yeah. Just to see the growth for that alone. And uh, I mean, comparison, okay. Going back to the newsstand version of this book and the, and the, uh, Georgievic one in 25 variant, just for comparison's sake, China size X-Men number one. Okay. Obviously the most important bronze age key, right? Right. The last sale for 9.6 was $15,600. And this guy is selling an ultimate fall for newsstand asking 30K. Right. Well, there was a there was a 9.6 sale for the one to one and 25 variant, the Dijevic variant, that went for 14.5. Uh, sold wow. 14.5. So that 9.6 sold for almost as, as much as a 9.6 for a giant size X-Men. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'd take the X-Men, Giant Size X-Men any day. Yeah, that's, you know, I was I was thinking about that because one of the things that I was talking about is comparing these to the Bronze and, and um, Copper Age books. I mean, it, it comes down to where do you, who do you think has more headroom? The Giant Size X-Men or the Dzerzhevik variant? So, so it, it depends on, how, you know, if you're looking at headroom. Um, we know in the short term, I think, I think there's going to be more growth in the Dzerzhevik, but really? yeah, the, the, because we got, we got uh, edge of spider verse. We've got two edge of spider verse movies coming out in the next two years. Uh, they've, they've you know, done it that way. And I think that's going to affect for the next two or three years. It's going to affect the price of those books significantly, but 
if you look at five years from now when X-Men are in the MCU and they have a bigger presence, then I think giant size is going to really take off. I wonder what the rarity comparison is here uh, because one in 25 of Ultimate Fallout 4, have we ever gotten any kind of firm numbers on how many are out there, how many were printed? Uh, well, we the print run for, first, for the first run, it was around 85,000 for the first print. So if you think one in 25, so you know, take 85,000 divided by 25. Uh, I am not going to do math on the fly. <laughs> so, but that's the maximum that it could be. And we all know that not, not every store orders 25 books. And, and right. So, um, and we also know that Marvel does not print to order mm -hmm. when they do these. There is an overprint of some sort. Right, right. That's true. Uh, so it's tough to say. I, I, I can almost guarantee you that there are more uh, Dejevic books in existence than high-grade Giant Size X-Men. Yeah, uh, that Giant Size X-Men, again, square-bound book, uh, tough with those uh, those spines. They get bent, they get torn, they get split. Mm -hmm. It's it's an interesting comparison. This next one you have on your list, I'm going to poo-poo it. I'm going to go thumbs down. You're going to hate me for it, but tell everybody what else you got here talking about these modern grails that are worth five figures. Yeah, we've got Edge of Spider-Verse number two. This is uh, the Greg Land uh, variant. Uh it had a recent eBay sale uh, for a 9.8 of $11,000, which, yeah, you know, there's – this one is tougher to justify the price, right? Yeah. Uh, it's the first appearance of Spider-Gwen, which is an important character, especially in the, in the uh, Miles Morales uh, microverse here. But I don't know if – you know, it's, it's uh, first print is about $2,000 right now mm -hmm. for 9.8. So does this book demand this kind of premium over that 2,000? I, I would have a hard time paying it. This book is, I don't know, double, triple the amount for the first appearance of Gwen Stacy in Amazing Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's in yeah. high grade. But you know what? This book has continually gone up. Last year, this book was probably uh, a $7,000 book. All, yeah. all day long. Uh, the year before that, it was probably a $5,000 book. It's always been expensive, but you know, it's, it has never retreated in value. So it's I'm not, I'm not saying it, against it. I'm not saying it's not worth something. I'm, I'm there's scarcity again. It's another variant cover, lower print run, higher, uh, tougher and higher grades. Mm -hmm. It's not worth $11,000. Sorry. I mean, yeah. I, I guess a book honestly is worth whatever someone is willing to pay for it. So in this case, it is worth eleven thousand dollars. But man, I don't know if it's going to sustain or grow. Yeah, eleven thousand dollars. You know, at that at that point, I would look at investing that money in something that has a little bit more stability. Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that uh, really a low grade Amazing Fantasy fifteen, a one or a coverless. Yeah, one is still thirty thousand oh, dollars. Okay, so <laughs> right. an Amazing Spider Man two. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. What? Uh, okay, I'm sorry. If you're saying AF fifteen, it's about thirty. But if you're saying ASM one, yeah, yeah, yeah you, can, hey. you can do an ASM one, and I, and I would probably do that before I did 11 grand on this modern book, because it's tied to a character that doesn't have the same provenance as Spider-Man, you know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And, you know, these characters come in and out of favor. I hate to say it. 
I get it. You guys are throwing a rod for Gwen Stacy. I get it. <laughs> Come on. She's, you know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of appeal to the character. Let's just don't let, don't let the, the, the head below trump <laughs> the head above when it comes to buying these books, you guys. Now, the third example I have is uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars number one, the special edition, the, the Dark Horse uh, limited, it limited yes. to a thousand copies. That, okay, there's scarcity right there, a thousand. Right. Uh, 9.8 sold for $13,800. So it's another book that's sitting there. It's, you know, it's low five figures, but it's five figures. I mean, you're not going to buy this on impulse, okay, no. because, because of, of that price. Um, this one, I think, may have more legs uh, than – it definitely has more legs than the, the Edge of Spider-Verse, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, it's the first appearance of Ahsoka Tano. And that's a very important character as we move forward in, in the uh, Star Wars universe. And um, so I, I think it is going to have a long-term value as long as she, uh, as long as there's value in that character. Uh, I still, I, I still, I still favor Miles in the, I mean, if I had to pick between these three and I had, if I had $15,000 to spend, um, I would probably spend it on, uh, and between these three books, I would spend it on Ultimate Fallout to Jevic 9.6, um, rather than either the Greg Land variant or the Star Wars. But if, you, but if you're looking for a non, you know, a non-Marvel book, that Star Wars book is, is probably the, the highest one that I've found. I guess it's just different strokes and what you collect because if I had $15,000 to spend, I'm getting a nine, two Avengers four, or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting a key, a true, true key that. Okay. Yeah. Is yeah. Tested and true. Um, yeah, I could, I definitely would see that it, it, you know, at 15,000, um, I would probably, you know, the not, giant size X Men, it would be a strong buy, or a good a good graded um, Hulk one eighty one is another good buy uh, when you're looking in that price range. Any of the Fantastic Fours like um, Fantastic Four five, any yeah. of the first first ten are just excellent buys because those are also just blue chip books. So you know if you're looking for something that has a proven track record over decades then, you know, you look at those kinds of books. But if you're looking, if, if you are specking that more Gen X, Gen Zs are going to, to invest in these kinds of the characters that they grew up with, that's going to be the Miles Morales. It's going to be the uh, Ahsoka Tano from the Clone Wars TV show, you know, cartoon. It's going to be uh, Gwen Stacy and, and Spider-Gwen. And these books are going to have a, a significant value to that new market which neither one of us apply to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's a great segue into what I just wanted to discuss real quick is that, uh, you know what? The kids are all right. Yeah. Um, because coming up in the late seventies, early eighties, we were considered pretty much going to be the last generation that bought comic books. The industry was going in the toilet. There were some signs of life with the direct sales route happening, but it was still an older audience who was going to be this next generation of comic collectors. Marvel tried to get things started with star comics, uh, you know, to get younger readers in didn't work. And we just grew up thinking that, you know, comic books are going to go away eventually. And here we are in 2022 and these characters, these modern characters, these uh, spider Gwens and miles and a show uh, Gazoon Heights are uh, what's her name? Gazoon Heights. 
Yeah, Ashok Kasano. Oh, wow. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're bringing new readers in. It's, I, I, can't, I can't complain about that. That's amazing. That's great. It is. It is. It, it, it bodes well for the hobby in general. You know, we're in a much healthier place now than we were back in 1997 when Marvel's coming out of bankruptcy. Comic books orders are at all-time lows. Let's take a trip back to that time in the 25-year rule. Richard, <laughs> 25 year old, 1997. We have another Wizard Magazine mail away comic book that you have picked. What is it? Yeah, it's Sin City One Half. Oh. Just another Saturday night. Uh, city, just a little half of a Sin City. Just half. Yeah, it is, it's 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 more of a vignette than it is a full comic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it was available through mail order if you uh, from uh, Wizard number 73 if you mailed in you got uh the comic and a certificate of authenticity um which was great i never i never did find out because it was the certificate was signed by frank miller uh i I don't know if it was a true signature by frank miller or if it was just you know printed on the the are any of them really that fm he writes yeah is that that a true signature (laughs) yeah um, so, so this, the story is, uh, it's, it's a brief story for, uh, around the character Marv, if you're familiar with the, the movie, uh, which I absolutely love the 2005 movie. I thought it was, it was such a unique take on comic characters and it was so true to life to Frank Miller's vision. I feel it looked like a Frank Miller drawing. It did. It did. You know, the monochromatic schemes and the red to highlight, it was just amazing. Um, but anyway, so it's, it focuses on Marv uh, as one of the characters. And it, it, it scene starts off with um, Nancy running off with the old man, which is a scene directly from the movie. Now, this came out, this book came out seven years before the movie. So the movie was definitely based on the books uh, other than, rather than the other way around. Um, this book was, was limited in print run. I, I have no idea what the actual print run for this book, but since it was a mail order, uh, I can't believe it was very high. Um, the story is very brief. Uh, it's, it's a good story. It fits into the universe. I am was able to find nine eights for this thing, though, for like 80 bucks. Raw's for six. So I'm not really sure why. You know, if it was, it was something like that, a mail order, why is it so affordable uh, on the market? Sin City, you know, despite having movies, never really took off you know, collectors wise, I mean, I think that one issue of Dark Horse Presents, which is the first Sin City, goes for a little bit of a premium. But yeah, it's not like Hellboy, you know, when Hellboy came out, that exploded. I think uh, people have a tough time with Frank Miller's noir style. I, I like it. I like the the bold lines. I like the, the clean drawings. Uh, it really appeals to my particular aesthetic. But I could see if you're not if, if you're not looking for that kind of raw uh, art style that it could be kind of jarring. Did you like Jim Lee's Death Blow? <sighs> Remember when Jim Lee ripped off Frank Miller's? Yeah, sense? Well, I, it it was very derivative. So I, you know, what? Little... What? <laughs> How dare you? Jim Lee would be very offended. All right, moving on. Speaking of Death Blow, to our underrated books of the week. Uh, I can start off this time. 
my underrated book of the week is a DCU character now, I think you could say. Started off again, like last week, we were talking about Captain Adam and Blue Beetle starting off as Charlton characters. This guy started off as a Charlton character, and the book has a very strange title. If you don't know what you're looking for, you're never going to find it. It is not Judo Master. It is Special War Series number four. What it says right up there, Special War Series number four is the first appearance and origin of the Judo Master, who, of course, was featured in HBO Max's Peacemaker series. Now, the original run of Judo Master ran for 10 issues in the mid-60s, which is about six issues longer than I thought it had. (laughs) There have been several versions of Judo Master since, but it all started here with Special War Series number four. It is a tough book because it's a Charlton book. It was made with... Uh, one grade of paper just above toilet paper, and it has a strange title that is tough to find. Uh, most people are going to file that under J for Judo Master. Mm-hmm. It is not. It is called Special War Series, number four. A 9.4 of this book sold for $380 in February of 2021. Now, since Peacemaker has hit, we've seen a lot more activity with this book. An 8.5 sold last month for $457. So we're seeing this tick up a bit. Are there plans for Judo Master to have a spinoff or anything like that? Who knows? Probably not. But just a tough book. Why does DC have the strangest titles for books? I, I, I think it's Charlton. This was Charlton. Don't oh, Charlton. Me. Okay, I apologize. Charlton used Charlton. Well, I can tell you a little bit why DC and Charlton, even Marvel, would have these strange titles. Um you had to pay for uh, postage permits to mail out subscriptions. And every time you started a new title, you had to buy a new postal permit. So to save money, instead of starting a book off with number one, Judo Master, they would just take a title that was low selling and they were going to cancel anyway and just call it Judo Master Special War Series number four. That way they saved on the permit money. Now, when the, you know, after a while, the nickel and diming stopped and they realized a number one issue would generate more sales than continuing the numbering from another book. Yeah, I'm thinking of like Showcase from DC, um, where you just had a variety of, of characters like it's, the it's, Dolphin. You, you, you think Dolphin. You don't think Showcase. I don't know. Showcase was a showcase for yeah. new characters. That's what it, Marvel premiere was a place to premiere new characters and wow. concepts they weren't quite confident that they could hold their own title yet mm-hmm. so this was uh, a way to test market it almost like we're going to put it up three issues of the flash you know a couple months apart and see how it does and then we'll look at the sales report and we'll make a decision carmine it sold well congratulations mr infantino <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, I guess the sensibilities were, were different back then. It's just strange how the titles uh, uh, all over the place. Yeah. Uh, your underrated book of the week, uh, can I preemptively make a Miracle Molly joke before you start? Go ahead. Uh, Miracle Molly. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> my my pick this, this week is a Robin number one. This is the new Robin series. Um, the reason why I picked it is the first appearance of a character called Flatline. Miracle yes. Molly. Miracle Molly. Yes. 
DC loves to loves to put in these these first appearances and these characters disappear. Miracle Molly, um, Punchline. Uh, there are a lot of characters that DC just doesn't go deep on. Clown um, Hunter. Clown Hunter. Yes. Uh, Flatline is a uh, female. She is uh, Robin's age. She turns out to be a love interest for Robin. What really spawned me to pick this was uh, Robin 15, which is coming out in June on the cover has uh, Robin and um, Flatline kissing. So, you know, we're guaranteed up and, you know, we're going to have um, uh, more presence of this character than potentially some of the other uh, characters that Marvel has or DC has created in the past couple of years. So, and her, she has interesting power set. And when you know, when somebody dies, she has the ability to absorb their powers. So she um, she is a, a martial artist, just like Robin, and they have similar abilities. Um, it's it's an in interesting character, and um, I I think more like Crush. If you remember Crush, she was the daughter of Lobo. Um, she, she had a, a lot and has a lot of persistence. She's still a character that, uh, that has a presence in the comics. I could see this character also being like her right now is a great time to buy. You can get a 9.8 into this book for between 50 and $80 on eBay. I mean, they're, they're not expensive. It's not a, an expensive book to, to buy Raws You can still get for six bucks. Uh, but I would skip the Raws If you can get a 9.8 for 50 bucks, don't, don't bother with the Raws Just get the 9.8. So yeah, that's, that's my pick this week. Look at you, Mister Moneybags. <laughs> no, it's it's how much it's going to cost you to get that that six dollars <laughs> fast track. Uh, uh yeah. Uh, by the way, I went to Frank and Sons collectible show uh, today, which is a huge collectibles warehouse flea market type deal here in Southern California. It actually is inside an old Sam's Club, just to give you a sense of scale. And I was uh, uh, recognized and I want to give a shout out to Jeff who uh, said hi today. So hi, Jeff. Thank you for, for saying hi. And you went to Fan Expo in Cleveland over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, it's not the bravest review. It was, it used to be called Wizard World. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they had a great selection of artists there. Um, they had Dan Parent was there. Um, so th there were, uh, great artists. Uh, William Shatner was there. Um, <laughs> I would have loved what he's an artist in his own sense. I oh, guess. I'm sorry. I switched, I switched to, to <laughs> um, that was a good show. It, it was, it was just like all of the fan expos. It wasn't a comic book show. They had comic books as an aspect of the collectibles there. But it wasn't the focus of it. So there are a number of comic book booths, and they were doing some business, but there were a lot of people there buying tchotchke, you know, buttons and badges and random junk because they could Funko buy Oh, pops. Yes, the Funkos. Oh, there was a giant booth for Funkos. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it was uh, it was nice. There's a lot of cosplay, which I always enjoy. Um, so it was it was a lot of participation, and I and I thought it was good from that standpoint. And admission for one day, fifty seven dollars. <laughs> fifty seven dollars for the privilege of wandering around. Now, of course, that also buys you panels and things like that. But I never go to that. Okay, that's more than WonderCon. <laughs> that's yeah. insane. I'm sorry. I'll call it. You're being nice. That's insanity. 
It, it, it really is. I, 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 I couldn't justify if I hadn't already paid for parking and walked the 20 minutes to get to the place and went was standing at the ticket booth and they told me $57. If I hadn't already done all that, I probably would have passed. But imagine taking the kids. I can't, can't imagine a friend of the show. Um, Evan, Evan brought his wife and two children and I can't even imagine how much he paid. Wow. That is expensive. Thanks Obama. Uh, all right. There's, I think I got all the running gags in this week. I got miracle Molly in there. I got thanks Obama. Uh, what other uh, running gags am I missing everybody? Let me know in the comments in the meantime. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bronze and modern gods. Uh, you never know when a live sale is going to happen Richard. Uh, and you never know what will happen when you hit like and subscribe. You'll make us happy. But you may find you getting a notification if you hit that notification bell. All these weird reasons for us to help you uh, help us and get engaged. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. I'm punch drunk. You punch line. I'm punch. Oh, Miracle Molly. All right. <laughs> everybody. We will see you next time. Everybody stay safe.